Growing up in mid-century Manhattan, I was the youngest of three boys, all of us born two years apart with summer birthdays. We lived in a seventh-floor corner apartment at 75th Street and Lexington Avenue, the rental that my parents moved into after they were married in 1934 and didn't leave until they died. I shared a bedroom with Alan, my older brother. Bobby, the oldest, had his own room on the other side of the bathroom we shared. I was born in 1939, and my earliest memories were formed during World War II. Earlier than I can remember, my father left to join the Navy as a dentist on an aircraft carrier in the Pacific, the USS Long Island. I went with my mother across the country by train at least twice to see him in San Diego when he was on leave. Neither of my parents was self-confident, and I suspect they had difficulty believing that any product of their union, including their sons, could amount to much. My mother was not particularly maternal, which is understandable considering how little mothering she'd had. Her mother had died after a long illness and medical treatments in Boston when my mother was eleven. When the U.S. entered World War I, her father went to Washington with his son, the middle child, to work for a wartime agency. My mother was left behind in New York with her cold, widowed grandmother and youngest sibling, a sister whom she resented. The lack of nurturing in her upbringing greatly influenced her own maternal style. My father's parents had come to America from Lithuania. They settled in Trenton, where my grandfather owned a hardware store. My father, the youngest of eight children, was eager to move beyond the confines of his Orthodox Jewish home and fully embrace what he thought were real American values. He discovered football in high school and saw that as his ticket out of the immigrant class. He wanted to go to Harvard because of its famous football team though eventually he was persuaded by an older brother to go as an undergraduate to the University of Pennsylvania Dental School, where at least he could play varsity football in the Ivy League. Once the war was over, my parents wanted to be as conventional as possible in our straight-laced, mostly wasp, east-side neighborhood. After work, my father spent a lot of time at the elite Jewish Harmony Club, playing bridge and drinking too much. He was the first Eastern European Jew to become a member, thanks to his well-established father-in-law. My father's standards and his desire to shed his orthodox ethnic roots dictated how we were raised. Clothes from Brooks Brothers, he adopted Brooks formally as his middle name, high-class private schools, and football. My oldest brother was more intellectual than athletic, and Alan, though athletic, was small. So satisfying Dad's desire for a football-playing son became my job. If I knew then that we were Jewish, I don't remember it. My father always advised us to put non-denominational on any form that asked for religious affiliation. My earliest religious experience was at the Catholic Church near our apartment, where Henny, my mother's housekeeper, occasionally took me with her to afternoon Mass. When I was at Trinity School on the Upper West Side, I sang in the Messiah. My report cards, which I got much later from my mother, indicated I was a satisfactory student and sang with gusto. In our household, I learned early on to be sensitive to temperaments and behaviors. My father was a very conflicted man. His moods were unpredictable, and he was often angry. The room I shared with Alan was adjacent to the entrance hallway. When our father came in and we heard him place his hat calmly on the table, all was well. If it bounced off the wall, we knew to try to stay clear of him. When I was in seventh grade, I played a lousy game of football one day. My father had watched the game with disappointment and increasing anger. 
I showed Dad my inexplicably swollen ankles, which had slowed me down. He kicked my legs, furious at the excuse. It turned out I had rheumatic fever and was soon hospitalized. I felt abandoned in the hospital for several weeks, including over Christmas, and was allowed visitors only rarely. For weeks afterwards, I was usually alone in my room at home. Bobby was away at boarding school, and Alan had moved into Bobby's room. Those long, boring days confined to bed in a small bedroom provided less than cheerful insights into human nature, but they would become essential to my career as an investigator. My parents bought me a television so I could watch the Howdy Doody show and Kukla Fran and Ollie. When your best friends are television puppets, you must be lonely. Even though it was cold outside, the overheated apartment's windows were open, so I occupied much of my time listening to what was happening outside. My ears were my eyes on the street.